Today's show is sponsored by Veeam. The forecast is showing clouds, so make sure you're prepared with simple, secure, and cost-effective cloud data protection from Veeam. Take advantage of this exclusive Veeam offer that includes unlimited AWS or Azure backup free for 30 days. That's free for 30 days. $250 in cloud credits and 25% off when you buy 12 months. Veeam has you covered. To check out this offer, visit vee.amveem/free-azure-backup-credits. That's vee.amveem/free-azure-backup-credits. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. As I'm recording this cloud news this week, it is September the 21st, and as we start to approach the end of September uh, here in North Carolina, that means fall. And for a lot of us, that means American football as well, um, both uh, college and professional football getting started and consuming uh, the weekends for a lot of us. But at the same time, there is some really good tech news that is out there. And I wanted to take you through just a few articles uh, this week. The first article we have is actually about GitLab. GitLab uh, filed their S1. If you're not familiar with S1, S1 statement is the intention and the paperwork to go do an IPO. And first of all, the source. I would go check out this source. It's the the Clouded Judgment Substack. We've mentioned it on the show before. It is where we get a lot of our as-a-service-based news. Uh, The folks over there do a fantastic job. And just wanted to highlight one or two things within the S1. they, are, they, they seem to be doing very, very well, as a lot of the kind of as-a-service companies are doing. Uh, 74% growth over the last 12 months and $196 million in revenue. And uh, really good operating margins, really good profit as well. Uh, you know, very, very clean S1 in, in kind of my very unprofessional opinion at times. But I uh, just wanted to let everyone know that that is coming and certainly wish uh, everyone at GitLab the best as they march forward to IPO. For our second article, Microsoft has been going down this path of going passwordless. And they took an additional step this last week by really being able to turn it on at the account level. level excuse me. If you have a Microsoft Authenticator, uh, maybe a security key, even uh, SMS or email verification as well, you are now able to turn off your password. Now, some of you may be wondering, why would you do that? And, and you know, this two-factor authentication has become increasingly um, a requirement. And the main reason for that is passwords just are becoming less and less secure, whether it's um, they're reused or they're compromised or hacking tools that can brute force or you know do attacks against them. Is this the end of passwords as we know it? Not yet, but Microsoft uh, seems to be taking the lead here. And then uh, others such as Google and Apple are also following suit shortly as well. So 
we might end up with a future in which we don't have passwords. Um, you know, as somebody who, you know, I have a password manager and all of my passwords are very complex. I can't say this is a bad thing uh, going forward. So I'm really looking forward to this advancing in our industry. And for our last article today, uh, the, the uh, Google Cloud folks and, and Thomas Curian uh, over there, they did a big reorg uh, and they brought in uh, Brad Coulter um, to really manage a lot of the responsibilities over there and take on some of the leadership of, of this. Now, uh, we've talked to and about Google Cloud many times on the show and they've experienced some growth without a doubt, um, but they still are in that that kind of third place spot behind Azure and AWS. And they, they've grown the organization. Uh, they've added a lot of staff. They've added a lot of features, but maybe haven't grown at the rate in which Thomas wanted it to. So uh, bring in some new leadership. They've had a, a number of uh, VPs on the on the cloud side leave here recently. So reshuffle the deck, bring in some new blood, um, and then do some reorganizations as well. So we'll be keeping an eye on this. And, and certainly, um, you know, we've always kind of said on the show uh, that the the mindset is there at Google. The tools are there at Google. It's always just how do you get that to click and come together? And so uh, they're making progress and, and maybe this will accelerate it more going forward. And that's going to wrap up Cloud News of the Week. And right after the break, we're going to be talking about managing tech burnout with the folks at PagerDuty. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud monitoring platform built by engineers for engineers enabling full-stack observability for modern applications. Datadog integrates seamlessly to gather metrics and events from more than 450 technologies, including cloud providers, databases, and web servers. Easily identify slow-running queries, error rate bottlenecks, and move fast with built-in dashboards, algorithmic alerts, and end-to-end request tracing and log management. Datadog helps engineering teams troubleshoot and collaborate together in one place to enhance performance and prevent downtime. Start a free trial today, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. Just visit datadog.com slash cloudcast to get started. That's datadog.com slash cloudcast. Today's show is sponsored by Spot from NetApp, the cloud automation platform that makes it easy to deliver continuously optimized infrastructure at the lowest possible cost. Spot helps customers get the most out of their cloud investments by automating cloud infrastructure to ensure performance, reduce complexity, and optimize cost. Their machine learning and automation scale to exactly meet application needs using the most efficient mix of instances and pricing models, eliminating the risks of over-provisioning and cloud waste. Best of all, their software works with leading cloud platforms, services, and tools so that you can simplify and automate your cloud infrastructure wherever your workloads and applications run and however you run them. Discover how leading companies from cloud-native startups to global enterprises are automating, simplifying, and optimizing their cloud infrastructure with Spot by NetApp. Check them out at spot.io slash cloudcast, where you can find more information, quest a demo, or even start a free trial. That's spot.io slash cloudcast. And we're back. And, you know, folks, we've, we've all been sort of living through some challenging times, obviously, for the last... 18 plus months. And, and unfortunately, this thing still continues. 
And and what that means for a lot of us is, you know, the the line between what we do in our day to day jobs, uh, whatever that might be in this in this wild and crazy industry, and you know what we are trying to do in our day to day lives uh, has gotten sort of blurred, right? The line between you know sort of work and life and the balance between that and how we've had to adjust and uh, you know change our offices, change our hours, change all those things has really uh, evolved. I think people have have for the most part done a very good job, but they've also you know lived through it. They've had to, to stress through it. They've had to deal with change and, and change in a very rapid uh, amount of time. And and I think we can all sort of feel that this change is is challenging for us. Uh, we're trying to to deal with it, but we don't always necessarily know. A, how to how to quantify this stuff? How do we put it in context? And B, maybe how to deal with it. And so today we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit. There was a, a fantastic uh, report called "The State of Digital Operations" that was put out by PagerDuty, and uh, the good folks from PagerDuty, who are obviously experts in this space, are going to join us. So very excited to have Michael Cookie, who is VP of Product at PagerDuty. Michael, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So before we dive into this, because this. This report that you guys just put out, uh, you know, sort of survey plus report plus all the insights that you obviously gather is really timely. But before we dive into that, give us a little bit of your background. Give folks a little bit of what you were doing, uh, you know, career-wise, and, and then what sort of has led you to be, you know, focused around this space at PagerDuty. Sure, great. Um, so I've been in the space quite a long time. Uh, I started uh, running a large data center for the federal government. So as a practitioner delivering 400 plus different applications and websites and web applications and databases behind them. Uh, so I really experienced firsthand the challenges of providing both customer, partner, and and uh, technical functionality out to large, large organizations like the federal government and, and all its constituents. I ended up loving just technology and, and uh, I, I shifted out to the vendor world and kind of helped sell and do solutions engineering and eventually help design and market products. Um, spent a lot of time in performance management and optimization uh, and monitoring technologies now, now called observability. And that's led me uh, into machine learning and data science, uh, which is now today being leveraged to solve a lot of the challenges that you just mentioned. So, so that brought me to PagerDuty. Uh, where we focus on uh, helping companies deliver digital services uh, at, and, and reduce any outages that could be associated with them. Uh, and as you just pointed out, uh, we're really turning to now help all enterprises, any digital enterprise, optimize themselves, optimize their operations, and, and uh, get things done as efficiently as possible uh, without, without burning out humans. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've been uh, we've been we've been fans of PagerDuty for a long time. I know a lot of folks use it on a regular basis. So uh, you know the, the the introduction to the company is probably not needed. But this this report kind of caught my eye. I think it was very interesting. Um, give us a little bit of uh, you know not only what were you trying to figure out in in doing the survey and doing the report, but but what were some of the big takeaways that you found as you collected the data and dove into the do- you know, dove into the data? Sure. Uh, this was a pretty interesting approach actually uh where when i joined i've been here about a year and a half now when i joined i realized that we actually had a treasure trove of insights on our platform itself so we 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 are a SaaS cloud offering uh we have over five hundred thousand devops users and hundreds of thousands of customer service and security users 
and 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 hundreds of thousands of of executives and stakeholders that that care about how their services are being delivered. And so one of the first things I realized was we do a lot for each of our customers. So inside each of our customers' worlds, we can help them optimize how they run their systems and their and their uh, software and how they monitor and react to it. Um, but we hadn't yet really started to harness the cross-platform data. So the aggregate data across all of our customers and all of the various user sets, what are we seeing as trends? What are we seeing as impacts? What are we seeing as healthy or unhealthy signs? Um, so this is a combination of a survey, but also what I think is, is maybe more important uh, because we're going to be publishing this, uh, this data regularly is that we are extracting data right off of our SaaS platform and we're culminating insights and trends off of that. So uh, this is less of a human being responding and saying, yes, I feel stressed, and us actually monitoring across half a million users who was interrupted overnight or who was interrupted over a weekend or who was escalated to um, because others at the company couldn't solve, uh, couldn't solve a problem. So um, it's, a, it's a pretty exciting first step. We're going to start to get very regular about publishing these, these insights so that we can do trend analysis. We can attach impacts to things like, like the holiday season or um, you know, Black Friday and see how commerce companies are impacted by, by increases. You just brought this up earlier, but we obviously started doing this because of the pandemic. Uh, we saw a increase of noise of over 60% across the platform as the world kind of shifted from multi-channel and physical storefront brick and mortar interactions. You know, everybody had to shift to digital. And of course, you know, very few were ready for that tidal wave. Um, so we started doing it then. And uh, as you mentioned, we've we've kind of ratcheted up the insights we're pulling off. And uh, and and now as we see unprecedented departures and resignations across tech workers in the space, uh, we've found significant correlations to to our data. So yeah. it's definitely an interesting time to to be able to see how technical teams are being impacted by by real world changes. I mean, I, I call them sea changes, tectonic yeah. shifts in, in, in the market. Yeah, no, I, and, and we always love, uh, when, when folks are able to put out, uh, you know, essentially take the, take the data that they've got sort of live learned data, put context around it. Cause I think sometimes when, when you ask people to do survey stuff, um, it's always a little bit rose colored glasses. It's always a little bit of like, you know, them trying to figure out the question you're asking. Um, you guys are taking uh, the insights that you're seeing in the platform. Obviously, you're you're trying to to provide a better service with it, but also, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of value that comes from, um, you know, if you're sitting here right now, it is, uh, you know, basically September of of 2021. And you're staring at, uh, you know, the the holiday season coming up. It'd be good to know, you know, what did what did last year look like? What is, you know, what have we seen? Like you said, it, when, when spikes happen, when holidays happen, and and what are some of the ways to maybe staff better, prepare people better, uh, you know, pr- you know, kind of work around what's coming next. So being able to see into the future is super important. Um, 
Give me a little bit of real quick the headlines that you guys kind of you know noticed coming out of this. I know you talked about um, you know some of the the numbers in terms of you know volume and so forth, but uh, talk a little bit about some of the the other things that maybe you were surprised at uh, in in looking at some of the numbers or, or you know putting context around them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mentioned the noise stat. So basically just the the world got noisier, which meant that humans had to inspect more of that noise to try and find signals that were causing issues. And so, you know, that number was 60%. Um, and, and that kind of trickled down to create longer work hours, more interruptions, more kind of false alarms, if you will, because it's not that all of the noise meant that things were on fire. It meant that there was more to look at to determine if maybe there was a fire. Um, I compare this to kind of a uh, connected home where, you know, I installed the Nest doorbell. And initially it was great that it was telling me when it detected motion. But within a week, you know, I had fully squelched all motion alarms because it was just too much for me to constantly look at. I can relate. But... You know, if my if my if my burglar alarm is going off and two of my windows are opened and maybe a smoke alarm is going off, I really want all of my sensor information and I need all of the context of what's happening in my house so that I can call the right assistance. Right. Do I need an ambulance or do I need a fireman or do I need a policeman? Um and so, you know, we, we really focus on identifying context and correlation across these signals to tell customers and, and users when it's really a problem. Even with that, users had, you know, almost 10% more off-hour interruptions. So, so that means that holidays, weekends, and overnight, you know, we're asking our most skilled workers to address their, their job which is an interruption and, and, and it causes fatigue and, and frustration. Um, this boiled out to like an extra 12 hour, uh, 12 weeks of work a year. So uh, about two extra hours a day when, when aggregated out and 12 weeks of extra work a year. I think if you asked any of your listeners, if they were willing to just turn that afterburner on and that if they had 12 extra weeks to give to their job, you know, pretty much everybody's going to tell you absolutely not. And so that leads to people not being in their best state. So, you know, following on my analogy, if a fireman is needed here and he shows up and he was up all night and just finished fighting fires all night, you know, he's not going to be in his prime to come in and rescue my family who's having an emergency. So we, we try to help companies identify where key employees are being over leveraged or taxed so that they can better manage their skilled resources. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, that's a huge deal. Uh, we see 19 non-working hour interruptions a month, which is a 10 X over what, what the average would be, uh, in the past. Um, and if I could get technical for a second and, and I'll use that analogy, a fireman doesn't show up empty handed. So if we're able to collect the situation in my house, the fireman knows to show up with a specific fire truck, with a ladder truck, et cetera, or maybe he or she knows that they do need a paramedic because there's an injury. All of a sudden, that when the teams respond, they're armed with the right tool sets. One area of the market that's helping a lot with this um, is uh, not, not just machine learning, which I mentioned earlier, but, but automation, which is a huge uh, uh, growth area 
uh, and a massive, it's a massive space in the market. I know uh, Red Hat spends time and has capabilities here too, but if we can remove toil that me or end those interruptions and we can solve problems or take some of the steps out of solving the problem for the human, you know, we can save those humans critical hours of sleep and, and, uh, and, or they could be fighting a, a real fire somewhere else uh, that we could potentially solve with, with automation. So I think automation is a big part of helping these same human people uh, get more work done with, with, with less interruption. Yeah, no, I mean, some of those numbers are just, they're just mind boggling. I mean, you know, we think about, oh, well, you get, you know, four weeks of a year of, of vacation and companies are like, hey, we're giving you a, you know, a day, a quarter as a, as a, as a, you know, catch up day or relaxed day or mental health, day, mental health yeah. day, whatever we want to yeah. call it. And then, and then you throw that back and you go, yeah, but we also asked you to work, you know, the equivalent of 12 extra weeks this year. I mean, it explains a lot of why, uh, you know, people move to places so that they could, you know, didn't have to deal with commute. They could live in places that, you know, gave them a little bit of peace of mind, but that's a, those are stag. Some of those numbers are just absolutely staggering. Uh, do you find, obviously uh, the report has a, a finite window that you looked at, but you know, PagerDuty has been able to look at data for a while. Do you, do you get a sense that, that this is sort of a, you know, deeply correlated with the the pandemic and 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 maybe things kind of get back to normal or you know whenever the world gets back to normal or do you get a sense that like you know this much buildup of sort of technical debt of so much things you know festering in the logs and all these sort of things like is this going to be something that like you said we're going to have to have you know a huge pivot moment uh, you know, a year from now, six months from now, to to kind of overcome it. What, what what's your what's your thought as to how pandemic-y this is versus kind of how new normal this is? We definitely we see it as a new normal, um, and it kind of in in many ways this was happening over. It was just taking you know maybe you and I would argue it's taking a decade. Uh, I started talking about microservices and and innovation teams and you know constant innovation and deployment 10 years ago, this just kind of really hammered home the criticality of every enterprise achieving excellence there. Um, and as we see now, almost two years into this, like the pandemic is not necessarily disappearing. Some of what the pandemic has brought were were changes that were coming anyway, and, and some were, were good for us, but many taxed us. And, and when change comes so quickly, you know, humans uh, adapt, but, but it takes time for us to adapt. Um, I think that, you know, we as a, as a technology community have always risen to the, to, to, to the challenges that are thrown to us. Um, but if you think about the rate of change in our applications today, so typical microservice application, somewhere between 10 and let's say 100 different microservices. We, you know, the, the extreme case, we have some 900,000 microservice type uh, services, but, but those are now managed. The way we innovate is to manage those microservices as much as possibly independently. And we, we want to unleash each of those microservice development paths uh, as unbridled as possible. And so what that means is you've got 10, 100, or 900 small applications that are being updated, even daily. 
Yeah. 70% plus 80% plus of incidents when there's an outage, when they're, when the application's not running right, you can find that it's directly correlated to a change. So like we're actually doing this to ourselves in many ways because we're competing with application experiences and reactivity to new requirements on our applications. And the way we do that is to exponentially increase the complexity of delivering business services. And then we, we need to change them a lot. And so that's, that's directly leading to more and more uh, issues and interruptions. I was going to say to one of the points you made earlier, just to help, help kind of paint a picture. I was on with a customer a couple of weeks ago and uh, you know, this, they're in their new normal. They're leveraging, you know, uh, a chat op to, to do troubleshooting, but it's not just the fact that, yeah, we have real-time communication and now we have video and voice and we can have 100-person calls. They had 420 people in a troubleshooting session for two days, and they couldn't solve the problem because the two people that had the answer at their organization were not called into the troubleshooting session. So it's it's about the finesse of something I'm proud of PagerDuty. It's really just because of our roots we were so focused on human beings in the beginning of our of our existence. Who are they? What do they support? How do they like to be contacted? And how can I contact them in a way that that they react to? And so that core competency is a data set and and a capability that I, I think you know not many on the market have. And so this leads you to those types of situations where if you have a good idea of your skill sets and your responsibilities and the skilled workers and engineers and developers trust that when in our case, quote unquote, their pager goes off, that they're definitely needed and their business is impacted and the bat signals in the sky and they show up and they're the hero and they solve the problem. Um, you know, it creates a really positive uh, workflow and a, and a proactive workflow, a predictive workflow. And when you sprinkle in automation and you sprinkle in machine learning, all of a sudden you're getting better and better at not bothering your most expensive and most skilled employees. You're solving more problems without them. And when you go and get them, you really, really need them. And so you're reducing their loss of sleep and, uh, and, and you're using them for when you're, when you really, really need them. So yeah. don't call the fireman when the cat's up the tree, you know, call the fireman when your house is on fire. Right, so. right, right, right. Yeah. I, I, I did a show a couple of weeks ago that was that was looking at security and uh, you know some of the some of the breaches and some of the other things and you know kind of looking at how little the market kind of seemed to care that you know yet another company had lost a hundred million records and so forth and it and it just it wasn't so much a you know a discussion about kind of you know banging on on the security industry or even security technology it was you know the the market values uh, you know. It values growth. It values newness. It values new features. It values these things. And so we're we're now at a stage where you know those things you were talking about having tens of microservices, which become you know two dozen and five dozen and nine hundred, is yeah. is the way we're going. There's there's it's very difficult to get that tooth back in you know toothpaste back in the tube. Um, and it does you know it kind of keeps coming back to this thing that that you say, which is like we're at very much a sea change, right? This idea that, you know, you, you don't turn on automation because you're like, well, I'm not exactly sure what it's going to, like, you're not yeah. going to have a choice, right? Like there is no, there, there is no kind of going back to it. I, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned a little bit about like chat ops and some of the tools that are out there and, and, 
and they've been very useful to augment the fact that we're all now remote and uh, you know we may or may not be back in the offices you know month or six months or whatever it might be do you do you think that that lack of sort of face-to-faceness has gotten more people to to want to make everything a priority one problem because you know it's it's easy to be angry behind a keyboard it's more difficult face to face i mean is that just another reality where we're going to have to deal with that everybody wants everything right away like we live in a in an amazon prime kind of expectation world that everything's priority one give it to me now uh yes <laughs> um i i spent some time at akamai as well and we had something called the abandonment threshold there and I was there three and a half years. It's and during that three and a half years, it went from something like six to seven seconds down to two seconds. And so, just consumer expectation in general is critical. I think also thanks to you know Amazon, you mentioned and many others, we as as companies have become rightfully so customer obsessed and and customer centric, which I think is a, a great charge. Um, but customer, you pointed this out just now, customer expectations are, are extremely high and there's a lot of pressure to service them immediately. Um, you also brought up automation. So I, I wrote, took a note there because I don't want to forget it. But another group, you know, I'm a product marketer, so we, we love analogies yeah. and I'm, I'm a pretty technical guy. And when I have a problem with my, you know, with my Internet connection at home. I've already probably rebooted my router and, you know, done some some trace routes and some pings and uh, and tried to figure out where exactly, you know, the degradation's happening. So when I call up, you know, nameless cable provider, generally the customer service representative says, hello, Michael, what are the lights on your modem? Please pull the power plug on the back of your modem. And I'm pulling my hair out because I'm missing my podcast with Brian and I know the problem is not my modem, right? And so we're injecting capabilities so that we can allow, normally when I ran that data center, that customer service rep could never have picked up the phone. In a million years, would I have answered the data center phone and said, oh, hi, customer service rep, let me get right on fixing that, you know, or yeah. looking in on that. Just didn't happen. So the first thing is just connecting these human beings. Like when security has an issue, they may need IT operations and engineering teams. They may need developers. It may have been a change, right? There's, a, there's no shortage of who they have to pull together immediately to solve these problems. Um, and now more and more people are realizing when a customer is impacted, we have kind of the same challenge and the same immediacy. So I think you're right that there's a lot more both kind of customer to company impatience and then urgency in the company to get this solved right away. What we're focused on is helping more people in the company get it solved so that if there isn't this uh, you know, pinch point back at the same engineer who gets called every time to solve the problem. Um, or the same developer. So uh, we do that a lot with, with automation, but I think you mentioned this and I, I really clung to it, which is you said not everybody's ready to really dive all in on automation and we're seeing the same thing. You know, if you drive a Tesla, you don't test auto driving unless you're Mike Cookie at 110 miles an hour. That's not the first time you turn on auto driving, right? You like take it down a 25 mile an hour country road to see if it can actually keep the car uh, in, in the road. And I think automation is very much like that. People can and are adopting automation with, with very low risk, but good wins to remove things like service requests, 
uh, remove things like batch management, maintenance of, 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 of systems and jobs. Uh, and now more and more something we call um, automated, automated diagnostics. So when, when something's going wrong, and let's say you do have to escalate, when you do get to that specialist, generally they ask for some things. They say, you know, get me the logs, get me, you know, run top across all these servers, you know, tell me the queue for X, Y, and Z. We can now build these routines in and we can actually fire them off on event. So before any human beings involved, we think something's going wrong, run out and run the diagnostics that would normally take human beings to think about and run. We're cutting five to 10 minutes out of, out of the response time. We're also handing a whole bunch of information to the human by the time they are, they are interrupted. Um, and then back to my cable modem example, the customer service rep themselves can actually be handed authenticated root level access, low risk diagnostics and some activities in what we call run books. And that lets even a customer service rep live with the customer, with Mike Cookie, who's pissed off, run a whole bunch of routines and say, oh, it does look like our concentrators having issues on your block. And, it, you know, a truck's on its way to, to, to help, at, help you. Or there's a ton of packet loss for everybody on your block. We're looking into it right now. That changes the brand. It changes how I react to my cable provider. And it, it gets me back to work faster. And also, potentially, the cable provider doesn't need to, uh, you know, troubleshoot for 20 minutes or escalate or create tickets to get, you know, their manager on, on, onto the call. So I think it's a combination. I think we're, we are definitely in this new normal. Uh, and, and the other point you brought up is chat ops. And I think they are needed, but uh, everybody has Zoom fatigue, obviously. And what, what, again, we're focused on is delivering capabilities into the chat op program or into the customer service program, because all the chat ops have, has delivered to us really is a requirement to context switch. Now I'm flipping from the Zoom or the, or the, or the, or the Google Hangout, and I'm, log, I'm SSHing into systems and I'm grabbing data, right? Or I'm logging into the customer resource management or the customer support tool to figure out which customers are impacted. So we feel like it's these worlds are merging where customer engagement management, security, DevSec, uh, all of these things are kind of merging together. And, and we have kind of a work where you are attitude. And I, I think a lot of vendors are going to have to move in that direction and, and an API first attitude as well, where, look, we know you're going to need to data from our system. You're going to need control. Um, but we don't necessarily need you alt tabbing into five different interfaces to do it because that's yeah. just going to make it harder. Yeah, no, good stuff. Good stuff. Michael, I'm going to I'm going to wrap it up there. I was going to I was going to ask you, you know, I had a, a list of questions and I was going to ask you for sort of tips and tricks. But I think we've we've covered a lot of that. Um, you know, I, I do want to be a little careful with folks like, uh, you know, there are aspects of this that are day to day operations overwhelming at the amount of operations. The other part is sort of, you know, mental health. And we're not trying to, you know, make this out to, to minimize. Look, if you're having if you're having struggles and, and you need some help, absolutely. Uh, technology may not help you fix that there, you know, get a chance to, to talk to somebody, talk to colleagues, talk to friends, talk to professionals. But Michael, with that, I want to kind of wrap it up. Um, if folks want to reach out to you, if they want to kind of learn more about uh, the report about what PagerDuty is doing around this. What are some good places to uh, either pick your brain or, or kind of you know learn a little bit more about this space? Absolutely, and and thanks for the time. I totally uh, agree, and I, I think it's a great point that 
we plug in in the technology industry, we all plug in and we kind of live in our minds and, and we forget our bodies and, and we forget to take care of ourselves. And I, I think that's a, a really a great point to, to end on. Um, you know, they can find all this information going to pagerduty.com slash state of digital ops. Uh, that will get you the report and the dashboard. Uh, you can reach out to me directly um, on LinkedIn or, uh, or through PagerDuty. And I'd love to come back, Brian, and talk to you more about, uh, about impacting uh, human health. One of the new things we're looking into now is actually being able to report out operationally the individuals that are likely low on sleep the individuals that likely need a, a real break. And, and a lot of us, again, in the tech industry, we just never hit pause or, or AFK. So um, I really enjoyed the chat. I, I hope it was, uh, I hope it was uh, insightful and connected to uh, a lot of your listeners day to day lives. Yeah, no, it was great stuff. It was, uh, it was very, very good. I appreciate the time uh, you've given us some insight today, folks. As Michael said, go tell your boss that you need a raise of uh, for, you know the equivalent of twelve weeks. Uh, the data is there to support it. So uh, there you go. <laughs> there, there, and there is real correlation with people leaving jobs, like yeah. because we can track when people users leave jobs and go to new jobs, and we see a direct correlation to exactly what you just said and people quitting. and And we have that data on our platform. So uh, significant percentage correlation. Uh, when when people are feeling unhealthy, when people are being interrupted, when people are working the extra 12 weeks, they find another place to go work. Exactly. So everybody should be listening. Yeah, very good stuff. Well, folks, with that, uh, I want to thank Michael for the time today. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you all for, for listening every week. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for helping us grow the show and the community and for giving us feedback on, uh, on all the places that you get your podcast. So with that, we're going to wrap it up and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media.